are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. And I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 1 with me tonight. I hope I can be a blessing. Uh, I, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And uh, boy, that's, that's, that's wonderful when you know that, isn't it? That's right, it really is. You know, I'm going to read through about verse 18, I believe. You know, the Apostle Paul was in prison when the Holy Spirit gave him this message. And I have a hardest time calling that fellow's name uh, Ap, uh, Epipratus. I believe I pronounced his name right if you read it down here. But it seemed like in studying that this man was probably in prison with Paul for some time. And the, and the Holy Spirit gave Paul this message to the church at Colossians, and, 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 and he delivered it. And there's some great things he said. Notice how he started off. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Now, I could stop right there a minute. You don't hear much about the will of God today uh, in, in our area too much. In my early ministry, you did. Everybody, and listen, you and I ought to constantly seek God's will for our life every day. God has a place for you and he has a place for me. And don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. Uh, this resume, I'm not against it when they're hunting a preacher, but uh, they weren't used to that, you know, uh, in, in back in my days, just seeking the will of God. Let me tell you if I can right quick, and we'll get through after a while. Uh, you know, I've been gospel light. I, I, I was, I'm the second pastor there. The church was started, and, and the other man stayed seven years. A good man had a good ministry. And I'm born three miles from a church. And my home church is three miles away. And I remember when a man came about four miles up the road back in the 40s and, uh, and put up a gospel tent. Some folks got saved. I remember him saying they started a church, a gospel light Baptist church. And they built a little cement block building. And uh, I just never got acquainted for two or three years and uh, then he had Dr. Harold Seitler over there, and I'd go anywhere to hear him preach, and Mays Jackson. So I began to go over there and listen to them and met the pastor. And uh, he was a good man. I think I preached a couple times, just a you know, preacher boy. And anyway, uh, he, he uh, was there seven years, and he felt the Lord wanted him to be an evangelist. And uh, I'd heard he was leaving. Okay. And I had took a little church about 10 miles from home, and, uh, uh, and I, I was working a job and enjoying it. I'd been there a year. I worked about 10 hours a day, and, and I come in one, one night and was eating supper, a little late, and, and my wife said, some people from this Gospel Light Baptist Church over here uh, has been here and said they wanted to see you, some men, and she just got it out of her mouth and a horn blowed in my yard out there. And I was eating, it was summertime, and the door, front door was open, except the screen. So I went to the door. And uh, when I opened it, it was four men sitting there. I remember in a little 52 Chevrolet. And one of them said, how about coming out of your car, man? Well, I walked out. And one of them said, uh, do you know us? And I said, I, 
we're from Gospel Light Baptist Church. And I said, uh, I said, I, I've seen you there, but I didn't know you. They said, you know, Brother Long has left us now, gone into evangelism. And I said, I heard that. They loved him so much. This is what those men said. Now, I thought all that right here. They said, we've been praying and seeking God's will that we could find the right pastor. And said, we've been seeking here and there. And Brother Bobby, we believe it's God's will for you to be our pastor. And the words it said. It shocked me, really. And I said, uh, I said, well, I appreciate that invitation. But I said, I've only been down here where I'm at for a year now. We're getting along good in that little church. And, and they said, we don't expect you to answer us tonight. Never to get out of the car. We don't expect you to answer tonight. We just want you to pray. And we're going to continue to pray. And we believe God's in it. We'll be getting with you later and just took off. Tell you what I thought about this years and years later. Those men didn't ask me if I could read and write. They just wanted the will of God. See, God knew I could, of course. But friend, I'm said, said that to say this. You don't, I don't talk just a pastor, but anything you and I go at, we ought to constantly seek God's will. And I had a time, I had, I, I had several months, and my wife and I, we'd go to that church on Sunday, uh, had service Sunday morning, Sunday night, had a midweek service on Tuesday night, and uh, and and I'd I'd leave from from work, and she'd meet me there, and go on, and we'd leave there on Sunday, and I'd say, "Honey, I can't leave this place," and she said, "I don't say you can't either." And it'd take me a pretty good while to tell you God showed me I was supposed to do that, and that was the first Sunday in July, 1956, and I didn't know where I was going to stay. Uh, never thought about where, how long I'd stay. And now 60 years. And, uh, and I don't know how long. Somebody say, how long are you going to stay? As long as I believe God wants me to. You know, I might pastor till I'm 100 if the Lord don't come back and then just preach around the rest of my life, Gene. Amen. All right. But we don't know about that. But, but Paul, what I started to say, you read, you read about a lot of his writings, and he says, by the will of God, by the will of God. And that's important. All right, now, give me, let me get on here. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Demetrius, our brother, to the saints. Now, he's writing to us, you and I today, too, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Notice, grace be unto you and peace. From God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed in your Bible you never have read peace and grace be with you? Because there is no peace apart from grace. That's got to be first. You ever notice? And notice what he said. Now he said in verse 3, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And of the love which ye have to all the saints, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doeth also in you, since the day ye heard of it, 
and knew the grace of God in truth. As ye also learned of Epiphanes, our dear fellow servant, notice who for you is a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. For this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and, under, and spiritual understanding, and you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who had delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us in the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now notice, if you will, next three verses, and I'm going to quit. He said he, talking about Christ, is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn of every creature. For by him, by Christ, you see, were all things created. That's in heaven and also in earth, and that are in earth. Visible and invisible, whether they be thrones, or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things. And by Him in all, by Him all things consist. Now notice this verse. And He's the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. I'm going to stop right there. You've read this probably many times, and I have too. I was reading this the other day, and I got to thinking about all these things that Paul mentioned that you've got in Christ. And then he comes to this conclusion. He ought to have all preeminence. He ought to have first place. Jesus Christ ought to have first place. Folks, I believe that one day, one I don't know, I guess it's here just like it is down our way. I, I've, I've never seen the change. I know things are getting wickeder. But among believers, as it is in the last four, five, ten years, and I believe this is what it was, it, what it is. You know, I was reading the other day, and I believe it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, in, in, in the last days, peerless times shall come, for men shall be lovers of self proud and so on. You remember what he said? And lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We're living in that day. We're blessed with a lot of things. And we're living in that day. If we're not careful, we'll begin. There's nothing wrong with pleasures, but it's wrong in putting pleasures first. Jesus ought to have the first place. You understand what I'm saying? And that's what he's saying right here. In all things, he the Lord Jesus Christ should have the first place. I, I just I just put down here, and you know when there's love, when there's love for anything, you're going to work for that to be first. Now you think about it. 
And God has given you and I who are saved, He's given us His precious love through and by the power of the Holy Spirit when we accepted Christ as our Savior. And, and thank God for that. Now we have that love. It's not our love, it's His love that's in us, you see. And we need to keep self out of the way and let that love be seen in our life. I think about Paul. You think what that man went through. Here he is beaten because he's standing for the truth. And the average Christians say, well, if the Lord must not want me to preach anymore, or he could protect me and sit back in prison and, and, and pout about it. But you know what he done? He counted worthy to suffer for the love of Christ. Him and old Silas got to singing, praising God over there at midnight. That old jailer woke up. Why did he call for, he wanted, he called for light and said, search what not to be saved. Why didn't he go to somebody else in there? You ever thought about that? There's several prisoners. He said, I'm going to tell you, them boys has got something that I hadn't seen in prisons anymore. I mean, they're not mad. They're not pouting. They're over there happy. And there's beating when they put in here. What about the time when Paul was, uh, was thrown out as dead? I believe it was there at Iconum, I think it was. And, and, and raised from the dead. And you know what he said? He said, I know a man one time was called up into the third heaven. And he's seen things that he just couldn't tell you about, you see. I've watched Paul's life and all the battles he went through. He, 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 he said, and I think this is it, folks. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, Paul said, the love of Christ constrains us. You know what that means? It controls me. The love of Christ constrains me. Thus, if one died for all, then we're all dead. I think what he's saying, I can't get over how much Jesus loved me. And I can't myself. I was thinking about this message a while ago over there, and I liked that little spell. And I want to say tonight, you and I ought to let him constantly have the preeminence, the first place, just some simple things because he loved us so much he died for us. There's nobody ever loved us like Jesus Christ. He loved us. He died. He took our place. He who knew no sin, he was made sin that through him, we sinners like you and I that deserve to go to hell, he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And don't you ever get used to again being saved. You know, you follow the old Apostle Paul there, if you will, in the book of Acts, ninth chapter when he got saved. And in every chapter, just about, and I was on the road to Damascus. You remember over and over, and I was on the road to Damascus. Don't never get over what Jesus does for you. And stay in love with him, my friend. Stay in love with him. What did I, I heard Dr. Bob Jones Sr. preach. I've been saved 67 years now. I think I'm right. I'm 17. You can figure all that out. I'm just 85. A little older than this little fellow over here. But anyway, this is what I started to say. And I'd been saved about a year. Gene, I don't know where you ever, ever there. The old Urban Street Baptist Church in Winston-Salem. Elmo Renegar was the pastor of it. And he used to have a lot of big conferences. Now, I've only been saved about a year. And I went over, I went over there to hear Dr. Lee Robertson, John R. Rice, and Bob Jones Sr. was speaking at that conference. And, and, and man, here I am, a young Christian. 
And I thought, now this fellow, Bob Jones, he started a school. He's probably going to be a real, you know, you shouldn't pass your opinion, but I thought he's going to be real stiff and start. I'll never forget. If you ever heard him preach, good night, he exploded. He used to, about every time I ever heard him preach, he preached one time for me, about every time I heard him preach, he'd, he'd get started and he'd always say, you bunch of modernists, you're going to hell if you don't get saved. I mean, he didn't mind telling you the truth. But wait, this is it. Well, listen, talking about love, i never forget this, and this has got to be 65 years ago. He prayed before he preached. And folks, I really see, I, did, I did, don't know that much about the Bible now, but, but I didn't know that nobody ever seen the Lord with their eye. And I actually peeped to see if I could see Jesus. I never heard anything like that in my life. He's, he, he, this is just about what he said. Dear Jesus, he started off, Dear Jesus, I love you. I thank you for dying for an old South Alabama boy like me. And I thank you for the Holy Spirit that convicted me and showed on me I need to be saved. And I thank you for the faith you gave me to trust you as my Savior. He's still praying. He said, Jesus, you're wonderful. He said, you put so many stars out there, I never have been able to count them all. He said, that beautiful sun, that beautiful moon, he just kept talking, kept praying. And honestly, this is what he said before he got through. He said, by faith, I just want to get up here and put my arms around your neck and tell you how much I love you. And brother, he said amen and took off preaching. I seen right there, it makes a difference. We need to never get away from what Jesus Christ has done for us. Go back yonder. Could I tell you quickly? I got married in the 17. I know I was too young, but I did. My, my mother, my daddy died when I was 12. My, my, my wife and I dated for a year. Her parents didn't want her to get Married, and my mother didn't, but we got married. She's going to Methodist Church. We got married in, in Methodist Church. And mother, I got out of church after daddy died, and mother used to come. My mother was a widow, 47 years, and uh, she used to come to the room. We didn't have my bedroom and your bedroom. We just slept, if you know what I mean, in them days. And she'd come every Sunday morning and try to wake me up. And she'd, I'd, I'd make excuses. I'll try to go with you next Sunday, Mama. I can't, I, you know. And this is what she'd say. Now, Daddy wasn't in the grave. He's in heaven. But this is what she'd say. Your Daddy would turn over in his grave if he knew you wasn't in church. My Daddy was a preacher. My Daddy loved the Lord. And, and I went to Sunday school all my life. But that tear me up. Now, listen, let me get to my point. I'm engaged to get married, and the revival's going on at their church. And she said, why not? My wife was Jackie, was my girlfriend then. And she said, why don't you bring Jackie and go with me to the revival tonight? Okay, yeah. I thought, I want them to see what a pretty girl I'm married. And that night, that old preacher preached hell hot. Every time I'd go, I'd tip my bottom and I'd want to stay away. It was conviction, but I didn't know what it was, you see. But that night, I'm sitting there beside of my girlfriend, going to be my 
wife in a month. And my mother, and that man preached and gave the invitation. And and and, and it, it, oh man, it seemed like my heart's going to come out of me. And you don't get saved by crying. But I was standing there biting my lip. And the devil, if you're, if you're lost, the devil do everything he can to carry you to hell. And that night, Jody, I stood there, and, and, I, and I didn't cry out loud, but tears were flowing. And the first thought hit me, what if your girlfriend looks around and sees you crying? She'll think she's marrying a crybaby. I didn't know, but it's the devil put that in my mind. And I stood there, and they sung another verse. People are going to get saved. And then the thought hit me, what if you can't hold out? You better wait you can hold out. And, just, and he kept singing. And I remember saying to that thought, girl or no girlfriend, I don't want to go to hell. October the 24th, 1948, I happen to remember the time when I turned loose that pew, that something happened in my life. The Lord came in. Now back in those days, you take your Bible, and that's what you ought to do if somebody comes and leaves the Lord. But, but back in those days, that little church, they just get around you and pray. And, and, and I'd seen some of them get up and shout. And the preacher said, this young man wants to be saved. Some of you men come in and pray with him. And I don't know, six, eight of them around me praying. I thought it'll hit me in a minute, I guess. But it didn't do it. Peace came when I said yes to Jesus right back there. Now that's been 67 years, I guess, or 68. It will be in October. And I don't want to get away from that. I tried this and that and the other. But peace came in my heart that I've never had before. And Jesus Christ is the one that gave. And he deserves first place in my life. And in your life, because he saved us and he gave us peace. He said, John 14, 27, he said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Listen, when I see people and they're going to this thing and they're going to that thing and they're going and they're trying, and I think, oh, if they just knew what I had in my heart. You get all of those things. You think about, you think about Solomon. He tried it all. But then he said, I hated life. Peace comes from Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about old Scotty Long right quick. You don't know it. A few years back, Scotty moved from up north, and he was a businessman there in Winston-Salem. We're seven miles out of Winston-Salem. He lived about two miles from the church. And I invited him to church, and he said, I don't know where I believe in God or not, I'll come. Just like that. And he came. His wife and him and three little children. Well, he'd come to preach in every Sunday morning, and, and, and then I'd go see him, and, and he would thank me. He'd follow me to the car, but I couldn't get him saved. And it went on and on like that. You know, the Lord uses a word. And we, for years and years, about a dozen of us men, been praying on Saturday night about nine o'clock for our service on Sunday morning. So we was, was praying. Now listen, and got through, and there come old Scotty in about nine thirty, ten, about ten o'clock. I thought, what's he doing here? And he said, "Can I see you back here, man?" I said, "Yes, sir." 
And I stepped back in the vestibule, and these men are still down here. And he said, you told me, Lord, save me. And he said, I've been, I don't know why he went to the cemetery, I never did ask him. But he said, I've been down here in your cemetery for an hour, ask him, and he won't save me. I knew he was looking for feeling. And I took my testament, and I said, Scotty, I said, I said, now, this is the first thing. Do you know you're a sinner? He said, how well I know that. I said, all right. Now, I, I, I took scriptures, and I've done this. I used illustrations and all that. And finally, I, I said, you know, he said, I got to John 6, 47. If you remember that verse, verily, verily, means truth, truth. I say unto you. I said, now, Scotty, Jesus is talking to you. He said to you, he Put your name there. That believeth on me hopes he's got it. He said, no, don't say that. I said, he that believeth on me feels he. He said, don't say that. And I said, well, what does it say? It says H-A-T-H, hath. I said, that's now. Everlasting life. Do you believe? Well, and I said, well, you're God and one's mistaken. He said, he that believeth on me hath it. He said, well, I'm sure he's not. And that fellow looked at me. He was 47 years old. And he looked at me and he said, you mean to tell me that if I'll take that word that I've got everlasting life? I said, that's what it says. And he reached over and took my hand and he said, preacher, I'm going to believe that where I ever know I'm saved or not. I've got everlasting life because that says so. Janie come out, we come out of the vest, we know boys are still standing down there seeing what's coming out. He come down and he, it's about a dozen of them, and he shook hands and he said, I just got everlasting life. I just got everlasting life. He went all over that place. And I said, now Scotty, I said, since then we've got, we've got, uh, 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 we got water uh, out there now. But then, at that time we had to, we had to draw a, a little bit of the time to put in our baptistry. Uh, but uh, now, now they've got water run out there at county. But anyway, he said, I said, now let me, let me explain to you about baptism. And I started telling him. And he said, well, let's do it. Let's do it. I said, now wait a minute. I said, now, Scotty, they don't have a thing to do you going to heaven. This is what he said. He said, preacher, I've never had peace like this in my life. I've been to mass all my life. I've never had nothing like this. And I want to do everything that I'm supposed to do. He said, don't you have a pond or something around here? <laughs> hey, he, he, he's, he's a Yankee. I mean, he's raising, he's raising the city up north. I said, well, I said, yes, yeah, in March, it's cold. And I said, yeah, well, Brother Heath, I told him. I said, you go on home and, and get your wife and kids and I'm I'm, I'm going home, put my jeans on, and, and I'll, I'll be over and get you in a few minutes. So I went home, changed clothes. My wife and I have been praying for him. I told him what happened. So I, I go back and pull in his wife and them little kids followed. My 12 men, they done down there too. And we went down to Mr. Heath's pond. That's one of our members. I knocked on his door at quarter one. On Monday, on Sunday morning. And I said, Will, and I told him the story. Don't shoot us. We're going down to the cow pasture and, you know, and on down to the pond. And he said, let me get my light and I'll go with you. 
And we went down there, and, and, and I don't know, but I, I used to baptize, you know, and get your stick and feel your way out, you know. You know what I mean. You know, you're going out into some water you've never been before, you might fall in the hole. So I got me a big old stick about one o'clock on Sunday morning, and I went out there and felt my way along, you know, and got out there about, about, about uh, waist deep. And I said, now you come on. And he come on in there. And, and I've never heard Amazing Grace sung so sweet in my life. I don't know where them guys could take a care of tune or not. I never asked them to sing it. But man out there at one o'clock, standing on the bank of that old pond, they began to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved the rest. I baptized that old boy. It was cold, but I never even sneezed from it. I went on home, and he went on home, and I took my shower, and my wife and I was rejoicing, you know. And next morning, next morning, we just, we got out of the car, and he got out, and here we are. It just so happened we met going into church together. Looked like it was just a line around. I said, Scotty, how you doing? He said, the longer I stayed up, the better it got. He said, I hadn't been to bed yet. He said, preacher, I didn't tell you. said, my wife's daddy is an old preacher from West Virginia and there's 16 youngins. And they've been after me for years to get saved, what you've been taught. And he said, we've been setting up the rest of the night, part of them's in Ohio and Pennsylvania and everywhere else, and making phone calls all night telling about me getting saved. That's the happiest man. And he got to witnessing and winning soul. He's in heaven now. But he said, I never had anything. And I want to tell you something tonight. If you don't know Christ, you don't know the peace that passeth all understanding. And only knowing him. And I'm trying to say tonight, Christian, me and you, he deserves first place in our life. You know, you have a lot of experiences and like Gene, you know what I'm talking about after you've been the minister for years. One of my Dear old preachers, I just thought about it here. It changed churches. One of my friends, back a few years ago, he, he, he was pastor and he left that church, pastor another church. He said, he said Brother Bobby, I got to the, the shut in people's names and where they live, and I wanted to go see them along. He said, I went to this house, and he said, he said I knocked on the door. They told me this elder lady lived there. And he said, I knocked and I heard a little voice said, come on in. And he said, I opened the door and said, this house had a big old wide hall and his room's like this. Nobody heard. So I walked and I walked into the hall and, and said, I heard another voice said, this way. And I tapped on one of the doors and opened it. And he said, there sat this brother Bobby, this little lady. And she had the, the policy. She's sitting in the chair and said her little body was going like that. And he said it, I guess you seen it shocked me. And he said, I just kind of made a step back. And he called her name and said, I'm the new pastor of the church. I, I just wanted to come and see you and meet you. He said, that little lady said, well, sit down over there. Don't get scared. The waves may look rough on the outside, but there's peace inside. There's peace inside. My sweetheart. I was preaching two hours from home and, and I never left her by herself. So my kids would stay if I was gone all night, all my life. But uh, she told me two or three days, made a statement. 
two or three days before she went to heaven. We're just sitting there talking, and she said, Daddy, I just might go on any time and be with Jesus. She was a bit more upset than anything in the world. And I say, Mom, don't talk like that. I can't do without you now. And she said, I've been waiting for you. And that night, when I was on my way from down to Charlotte, about two hours, I'd call her. And she said, Daddy, I'm so sick on my stomach. And she said, I, I, my chest hurts me. In fact, I've almost twice. And I said, Mom, I'm, I'm on my way fast as I can get there. And we talked and talked. It was 11.30 and I got there. Just she and I at home. And I said, now let's go to the hospital. And, they, and, and I got her in the car and went to the hospital. They come out and they said, it looks like she's having a heart attack. You just, we're going to do all we can. You go over in the waiting room. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, the doctor come and said, Mr. Robertson, her main artery is blocked completely. And we've tried six times to open it. We're afraid we'll damage, damage that artery. We've given her some medication. And we hope that'll work. And she'll be back in the room. And I went back in, sat down beside the bed. She talked. She said, Daddy, oh, she loved me. She said, Daddy, now you got to get some stress. You go home. I'm going to be all right. And the kids, of course, I have four children. There's a coming. And uh, so my oldest daughter, one o'clock in the morning, my wife said, now listen. That was the next day, not that night. And my wife said, now, don't you hurry out here in the morning. You need some rest, and I'm going to be fine. And Sue was with her. Steve was coming later on. And anyway, I got home at 2 o'clock and got in the bed and been there about 10 minutes, and my phone on my cell phone. It was my daughter, the one with her. And she was crying, and she said, Daddy, she said something happened all at once. Said we sit, I sat beside her bed and, and said, Mama, just kind of, she said, they're working with her. I'm afraid she's gone. And when I got there, she's done gone to heaven. But she had peace that only Christ can give. That's what I'm saying. And folks, listen, and here's another reason why he ought to be first place in our life. Not only because he saved us, but he alone can give us peace that the world is trying to find. But you and I have it. That's what I'm saying. And here's another thing we ought to do, is he's the only way for prayer. You know, you hear a lot about prayer. There's one way. Jesus, he died, rose again, and he sat down to the right hand of the Father to make intercession for us. Now, you can write prayers, and you can talk about the Father, and you can talk about this one, you can talk about that, and you just go through a form. There's only one way, and through the blood of Jesus Christ is through into the presence of a holy God. And I'm glad. And I'm saying, what an honor. What an honor. You see the world, they talk about prayer, 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 and don't even know what it's about. But we that are saved, we know not that we're worthy, but we know because Jesus is our mediator and is one mediator between God and man, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, my friend. Thank God. I preached a whole lot for an old fellow up in the mountains of North Carolina. He talks slow and long, old country boy. 
And a little small church, he used to preach that. He's in heaven now. And we'd go to the prayer room every night. He'd get about a dozen men would go in there and he'd say before we prayed. He said, now, brother, he said, don't forget where we're fixing to go. We're fixing to go in the throne room. And then we'd start praying. And you know, I, you and I, if we had some officials or some, some of the crowd in Washington as bad means it is up there, if you, if you had a chance to go in and sit down to, with one of the officials and, and you'd probably come back and say, hey, I went in such and such an office. But listen, we ought to be excited. I went and I talked to the King of Kings this morning. Yeah, it's all right. Let's go. Listen, our world's in a mess, but our Lord's not nervous. He's never had to take a tranquilizer yet, and he won't do it either. You just remember that. He knows, and all the devils in hell can't move him, my friend. That's my father, and there's only one way that a poor old sinner ought to go to hell, but because of blood of Jesus, I can enter into his presence and talk to him. That's why he ought to have first place in my life and your life. And then here's another reason why he ought to. It's because he's the only one can deliver us from the powers of temptation. I, the devil can overfire you and I, but he can't do nothing with Jesus. You remember? He said here, he said, resist the devil in Jesus' name, and then he'll flee from us. And he'll do that. There's no temptation taking you, but it's common to man. But God is faithful who will not suffer to be tempted above that which you're able. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. Don't take those things just for granted, my friend. I'm just saying these are some reasons why that we ought to, we ought to let him always, every day of our life, what to surrender to him and he ought to be uh, first in our life, my friend. And then I want to say this in closing tonight. He's the only one who can take us to heaven. Remember what he said in John 14? He told his disciples. He said, now you don't be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place. If I go and prepare it, I'm going to come again and get you. And where I am there, you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And one of his disciples said, we don't know the way, Lord. We don't know how you. And Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say I'm a way. Oh, boy, our world's so full of religion today. Uh, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can come to my Father except by me. And one of these days, and I honestly, I don't, I don't know, I clearly believe it's going to be near. One of these days, he's going to step out on the cloud when we're not even thinking about it. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. And the voice of the archangel, a trump's going to blow. And our loved ones, Oh, we went out shunned and grieved and put their bodies, they're not, they're not there, their bodies. But when he gives that trumpet sound, that soul and spirit's going to be united in a brand new glorified body. And you and I, 
have the old mortal bodies that's subject to physical death, but just like yet, we'll put on an immortal body. Our old bodies are decaying every day, but all at once, by the time you bat your eye, we got a brand new body, and there's our loved ones. Only Jesus can do that. And he's going to take us up to honor to live with him forever and forever. Friend, if you've, if you've got cold in your heart as a Christian, and, and you begin to let things come in, get yourself, get it right. Paul said in all things, he, he, he should have first place. He should have preeminence. And, and do that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things you need. He'll add them. And he'll just throw a little handful on purpose every once in a while. Boy, I think how good he is to me. He took my wife to heaven, and I miss her awful. But she don't have to face this old mess we're in today. She didn't have to lay and suffer with cancer like we have people. You can think a lot of things. Surely goodness and mercy has followed us and keep on going. And all I'm just saying, think of the things of God and the things of God. And say, by the grace of God, He's when the doors of the church is open, be there. Be there. Tell others people about Jesus. I mean, I mean, don't mind standing. Well, what they think. What do you think you thought of the Savior? You see, he done all that for me. And I ought to be willing to surrender every day to him. And you ought to, too. Now, if you're here and you're not saved tonight, you need Jesus. You need him. You can't figure it out. It's a step by faith. Uh, you'll never hold out. You won't give up your good times. You'll be enjoying a good relationship with the Lord along the way. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.